the pod episode 18 where we always discuss the latest nebraska issues i'm april and i'm here with melody let's get started how are you melody hey april i am excellent i am flying high today i i spent my morning let me tell you where i spent my morning i spent my morning giving a sermon an actual church sermon Woo! It is next thing you know you'll be marrying people. <laughs> it is it's not something that I ever thought I would do, but I'm doing it. I I got asked to speak by Second Unitarian of Omaha, which is a congregation that I used to attend when I lived in Omaha. Aww. And yes, and they're doing a speaker series about social justice and they're bringing in speakers who are talking about different facets of social justice and how they align with the Unitarian Universalist principles. And so I did a whole talk about the second principle of Unitarian Universalism and the Second Amendment. And the second principle is um, justice, equity, and compassion in all human relations. Mm. And so, yeah. So, that's so how did you tie that to gun violence? Well, I broke apart, I broke apart those three words, justice, equity, and compassion. And after a brief history of how the gun control movement started, how the violence industry became this extremist culture changing agent that we're dealing with right now. I linked those three words to actual solutions, which hopefully can provide hope and direction and meaning to what seems like an unsolvable problem. So I started with justice and the definition of justice is that everybody gets what they deserve. And when you're thinking about firearms and gun violence, what that means to me, of course, this is all what it means to me, (laughs) is everybody deserves to live in a safe community. Everybody deserves to be safe in their own home. Everybody deserves to be safe at school, you know, all those places. And people who make guns, sell guns, and uh, buy guns, they deserve to be held accountable to the weapons that they're bringing into our communities. And that means we have to do things like repeal this federal act um, called the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms, which gives special immunity to the gun industry, which means you can't hold them accountable in court if they do harm to the community. We have to have safe storage policies to hold people accountable to keeping their guns locked up and away from other people. 
you know, those are the kind of things we need to do to really have justice. We have to have accountability to gun makers, gun sellers, and gun buyers. The next one that I covered was equity and equity means we all get our fair share. And right now the gun industry is taking more than their fair share and they owe, they owe the public money for all the medical expenses, all the funeral expenses, all the property damage, all of the, um, lockdown drill staff time they owe they should be paying for every metal detector they should just everything we're having to pay for as a public that is actually a charge the gun industry should be paying so we can do that through taxes we can do it through insurance Um, there's all kind of ways we might do it but ultimately uh real equity is their them paying their fair share and then yeah, because right now they're just hitting extreme profits and have no accountability or responsibility at all. Exactly, exactly. And every single bullet is profitable. Somebody made money somewhere along that line for every bullet that went into everybody. So for sure. And then the third, the third word was compassion, and you know, compassion means we're caring and we're empathetic about other people. And so when we're thinking and we're framing who are the different sides in this debate about how we move forward and how we live free from gun violence, people and entities who seek to oppress others with their consumer product are not a side. They're extremists. The sides of this debate are data, peer-reviewed research, doctors and nurses, teachers, bereaved parents, survivors of gunshot wounds, um, the kinds of people that are actually trying to eliminate harm to the community. And they may not all agree on every little thing, but they are the different sides. But the violence industry that wants to deregulate and bring more violence in our community, they're not a side. We don't need to be including people like that at the table when we're coming up with community solutions. So that was my yeah. talk this morning, and I think it went really well, and I was happy with how it turned out. I'm going to ask the church if we can get a recording of it, and maybe we'll be able to put it through the live stream. Ah. So I got to tell you, you said I never thought I would do that, but I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I was quite you, surprised. I w- I'm not surprised at all that you have the you know, knowledge and ability to do that. You're amazing. I've done lots of speeches, but that was very uh, intense. And I have not been to this congregation in 10 years, maybe. Mm. And seeing all of these familiar faces pop into the Zoom call, I got super emotional and I did not expect that. And I felt this huge sense of grief that we can't be in community. I was supposed to go to that church and speak at the front and... um, It makes me so mad that we are all paying for selfish assholes who don't want to wear masks. Mm -hmm. Like that's literally all it would take. If everybody would just wear a mask almost all of the time, we could do things like gather in community face to face. 
And it makes me yeah. so mad that this one tiny little piece of accountability is too much to ask for enough people that we are now moving backwards across the state. Mm -hmm. Ask did, me what I did this weekend. What'd you do this weekend? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my best thing of the weekend was Melody sitting across my big deck <sighs> and we each having our own drink and talking until one in the morning. <laughs> I and then you blaming me the next day for being tired. <laughs> I'm such an old lady. I felt hungover. But and we did I not wasn't. Have a lot. No, you were tired. No, I was tired because I'm an old lady and I don't stay out past one anymore. I don't well, know I what either, happened. Although I was at my own house, but that was I awesome. Think, I mean, that's the first time I've just had a one-on-one -on -one girl time since. I don't know, February, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it was like that was I was like four hours. What what do you mean it's been four hours? <laughs> I do have to tell everybody I I called you and I was in need of some girl time and April, you were like, Are you psychic? Come over. And so I came over and I brought multiple kinds of candy and we just sat on the porch constantly reapplying bug spray yes. and eating candy. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Because I, I don't even keep the candy in the house because I don't dare. And so when you brought it, it was like extra special treat. I can't. I feel like eat anything but candy since the pandemic I just it's, it just makes me I happy to, and I feel sad yeah, all the time yeah, yeah no like I have the COVID kind of 15 thing going on so mm -hmm. that was me at the beginning and then I was like this has to stop <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely put on a few pounds and in response to the few pounds I've decided to wear less and less clothes and so I'm just like, I don't even wear a bra anymore. I'm just wearing a tank top. My boots are down to my knees. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing little like skorts, but they're like a little too short because I'm kind of pulling them up a little bit high and I don't even care. <laughs> I just don't care. If um, people don't like it, then they need to wear their mask. If they cover up, I'll cover up. <laughs> well, you know, at six o'clock tonight, my kids finally came in and one was getting in, go in the shower. And so I was like, might as well put on my pajamas. So I put yeah. on my pajamas at six o'clock. Well, then a friend knocked on the door because she was leaving <laughs> something on the porch and my daughter's going, there's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. I'm like, oh my God. And so I look and I'm like, oh, it's just so-and-so. So I stood on the porch in my pajamas talking to her. Yeah, you did. Walk. <laughs> yeah, you did. That is a oh, thing that baby. happened. It sure is. Well, okay, well. Did you hear about that golf course out in, where was that? That was a panhandle. That was a panhandle somewhere. It was way out. Hold on. I'm going to figure this out. It was, well, uh, th there was a golf tournament and it created, oh, Morrill County, and it created a huge Well, a huge, huge for the size event. of the county and the right. people. Right. Like they said, comparatively, the size of this outbreak is like what Omaha is seeing. That makes me so but, mad. Yeah. And there's so many questions like, 
did they wear masks? Was it, did they go? I'm thinking they had to have like gone inside to the club and had drinks and food or something. I do too, because. Because how do you, I don't know. Don't you use your own clubs when you do these things? I'm not a girl. Yes, you do. And I have been listening to uh, Dr. Bob Rahner, who I think is one of the very few elected officials that I think actually has all of our best interests at heart when it comes to public health. And he has been saying consistently for months that golf is safe. Everyone needs their own golf cart and you don't share snacks. You have your own snacks. So as long as you're outside on your golf cart and then you should be fine. And you know, just social distance when you're on the green, you should be fine. So they must have done something and it really irritates the crap out of me that there, I saw it in, oh, what's the, po- what's the, there's a newspaper out West. It's like the North Platte Post maybe. Um, what's it called? I can't remember. And then I also saw it in the World Herald, but they basically said the same thing, which is, oh, golf tournament creates a COVID crisis. But I'm wondering, um, like, it would be much more helpful journalism if they would find out more details about how, because otherwise, people who don't want to wear a mask can be like, see, you can get it anywhere, you're just screwed. And people right. who do wear a mask are like, wait a minute, what? I can't even outside not? They need more information. But I'm betting, I would bet anything yeah. that there was some kind of meal that happened inside. Or a bunch and, of drinks. Like there's a bar in those places. Yeah. And they, instead of staying outside, they all went inside and they were standing next to each other or sharing golf carts or switching around golf carts. I mean, and why carpool or something too? Who knows? Yeah, and they're just not saying it because I, I don't know what they're hiding. I don't know why we don't know. Maybe journalists can't figure it out because they weren't there and nobody's talking. But it is frustrating. People need to know how these things are happening. And if you do things that you're not proud of, you need to be accountable and just fess up. It's yeah. okay. You can apologize. We can all move forward. We don't have to shame you for the rest of your life, but we can't do better as a community if we don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. So on a similar note, um, something else that was surprising in Omaha, um, the Douglas County Civic Center reopened to the public and they wanted employees to be, you know, protected. So they bought masks to give out, which is wonderful. But, and of course it's paid by taxes or whatever and probably will be covered by the cares money but we all know we need a lot more of that to help schools and other government entities and things but um they spent seven dollars and 25 cents on each one um because they chose ones that they could customize with the the seal like the county seal and you know like I get that you can be outraged about everything I'm not like outraged about this but it's like why just every dollar is really important right now right well can we just have a black one that everybody can wear and it's not a big deal also why why pay for the logo because 
I mean, normally I'd say, yeah, pay for the logo because it's our tax money and it, maybe it looks nice and it's, people can take pride and you know, like where your work mask is. And, you know, I, I kind of like uniforms, it's fine, but we don't have any pennies to spare. We're cutting really important things like libraries. And I also feel like maybe this is just a little conspiracy theory, but maybe they did it so that people wouldn't wear them outside of work, almost like a, a work punishment. Like we'll buy this mask, but you still have to get your own on your own dime because we're not going to use taxpayer money for a mask you can wear to the grocery store. Because if you wear something with the county seal on it, people might take any action you do or don't take in that moment as a county worker. So you really can't wear it anywhere but work. But maybe that's being a conspiracy theorist. Maybe not. No. <laughs> I just think willing to believe it's tinfoil haddish like i haven't spent any of my money on a customized mask i'm sure i could get one and if anything i'd love to have like my name on it so people know a who they're looking at and b i know if that's my mask or my husband's or what but Mm -hmm. whatever yes i wonder i haven't heard so i know ops or lps spent a big pile of money on masks Mm-hmm. I haven't heard if Omaha Public Schools did the same thing or Hastings Public Schools or any of the other public school systems. I haven't seen big headlines about their mask purchases. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. No, I thought it does say that OPS did buy. Oh, good. Yeah, they bought 360,000 masks. Woo! Yeah. OPS brought a whole bunch. Um, they'll need them. I don't know about other districts. They'll need them. Mm-hmm. It'll still be interesting, though. Like, how do you make sure you don't pick up the wrong one if they're all the same? And how do they even fit the same? I don't know. We'll see. I'm well, sure they're also assuming some people will have some, but this way nobody can say, I don't. And also, people are using those ear savers. They're mm-hmm. either, they're you're doing yarn arts like knitting or crochet and putting buttons on them or um I have a friend whose husband is 3d printing them and they're just like little plastic bits and you can put the straps on the back of your head so they're not pulling on your ears Mm -hmm. so that will that would help with a mask that's not standard sized fitting for your big noggin yeah, or tiny noggin My big whatever noggin. you have <laughs> more like the kids is what I'm thinking about but oh for my son I've been having trouble finding one he wants prints that are for children mm-hmm. uh specifically he wants like Mario on from Nintendo on prints but the children's ones are too small and the adults ones are too big and so yep oh, exactly and you can't try them on before you buy them and no. Every and even I had another is, friend measure them. I measured myself what I thought I needed, and then they're not quite right either. <laughs> yeah, and you can't. But I know what I would do different next time if she's willing to make <sighs> another one for me. <laughs> you can't try before you buy. You can't return them because a lot of them are being made with different patterns by local mm-hmm. makers, which actually I kind of like am so into this local makers. <laughs> and there's this whole new economic activity and primarily women 
as always, our saving society with their um, craftivism skills. But, um, you know, Stephanie couldn't be here today because uh, she's just getting back from her vacation and we're not going to make her do that. But I did want to say she told us we absolutely could not skip this on the pod this week. Oh, what? That, um, the whole Ernie Chambers birthday card fiasco. Oh, <laughs> he stole my best. heart. He is the so best. So the setup is right that Ricketts sent him a birthday card. And then, you know, he also rescheduled his press conference for Ernie's birthday. Well, but, I would um, go even a little further than that. Than that. Um, <laughs> Ernie Chambers is the well, only, he is not the only, he is the longest serving black senator in Nebraska. He was the first ever black senator in Nebraska. And for most of his tenure, he has been the only black senator. And the reason that we have term limits in our legislature is because the white majority wanted to get rid of him, which they did. And then he immediately came back as soon as he was eligible again. And many of the white majority that ousted him, they weren't able to come back and get reelected. And his, he's had many causes throughout his life, but the one he has been most persistent on is repealing the death penalty, which he did in 2016. And in response, this has been a 40 year career of his, and it, it was amazing that he was able to get the death penalty repealed in Nebraska. What the governor did in response is he personally funded a ballot initiative to bring the death penalty back. He brought the death penalty back and he attempted to schedule Nebraska's first execution under the due law. And we have not had one in like 30 years. He tried to schedule it on Ernie Chambers's birthday because he is a sadistic, addictive asshole there is no there is no insult that would be strong enough to serve to accurately describe Mm -hmm. the evil heart of our governor yeah and so that sounds like hyperbole but it is not (laughs) no and so when we're thinking about ernie chambers's birthday i think you can't even appreciate the story you're about to tell if you don't know the rest of that. Well, anyway, I do want to say this too. Recently, someone said, do you think the teachers in Nebraska might strike? And I said, well, it's illegal for teachers to strike in Nebraska. So no, I don't think so. And then they said, well, some other states where it's illegal, they've done it for other reasons. And I said, yeah, but don't you think that our vindictive governor would make this even worse for us (laughs) i do i anyways um yeah so rickett sends a card as a what's the word perfunctory you know Mm -hmm. sign of haha here you go happy birthday and says he does it for everybody and ernie was not having it and he marked it return to sender and wrote a scathing note to him on the outside what i don't know maybe you read is how did they find out about this? Like, who told them? Was it the governor? Like, who? <laughs> I mean, he definitely took a picture of it. Yeah. 
Um, he's, not, he's not even on social media. So how did that? So basically he said, return to sender. And on the back of his card, he wrote, actually it was on the front of the card because there's yeah, not a stamp. There's not a stamp. So it must've been just a, through the uh, legislature mail. It says, Governor Ricketts, I realize that card sending is merely a pro forma exercise, but due to the disrespect, underlined, you consistently maintain, exemplified by the racist campaign flyer you exuberantly endorsed in the Slama campaign toward me, is so personally disgusting that I find this card to be the crowning insult from a deep-dyed racist, Senator Ernie Chambers. It's amazing. I think he's holding it because when you look at the card, it is clearly um, black hands holding the edges of the card and it has a purple background and it looks like his signature oh, it does look purple like sweatshirt. It does. Look at so you. I think it's he took his own picture because he is not embarrassed or at in any way of how much. But it also like makes it sound like he contacted the newspaper and was like, look what I did. He <laughs> Which probably did. Awesome. I hope he did. It's awesome. Man, the cojones. I love it. <laughs> he, is, he is the most brilliant state senator the state has ever had. He can, he is smarter than everyone. He has, he has deep institutional knowledge. He can out politic and out strategize anyone. And it is, it is just embarrassing that we live in a state that is so openly racist and hostile towards him. Nope. It just, but I hope he had a wonderful birthday and I hope sending back the letter to the governor and making a big hay about it, uh, filled his bucket because he deserves every happiness in life. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think we got two more things we want to talk about tonight. We want to talk a little bit about, um, the open records that you asked for regarding the LPD and the Black Lives Matter protests and how that went. Oh my goodness. So there was an article in Seeing Red called Lincoln Officials Are Playing Games to Keep Public Records Secret. And it was by Amanda Gailey. And it's just all about how incredibly difficult it is in Lincoln to get open records. And here's the thing about open records. The reason we have laws allowing the public to review emails of policymakers is so that the public can hold policymakers accountable and they can't hide what's actually how the sausage is being made, right? We have a right to know. So Chris Dunker, who is an incredible investigative reporter at the Journal Star, he covers the legislature, he was billed 95,000 or he he was quoted he he was quoted that's right not billed he was quoted $95,000 in computer time to get emails from the Lincoln police about their operations having to do with the Black Lives Matter movement and they said it would take nine or ten months to actually give him the results of those emails which means, one, nobody has $95,000 to pay for the, for the emails. And two, in nine or ten months, they're just, they're waiting out their time so it can cool off. 
Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's a problem. And then the other one is I personally, on behalf of Nebraskans against gun violence, I asked for emails from the um, Lincoln public schools because I wanted to know how many people are emailing them about school resource officers. And they quoted back to me, um, $700. And I said, okay, but I'm just talking about emails. I just want maybe just two people. I'll narrow down my request so that it's really simple. And it's only over a month period. And they said it was going to be almost $300 for them to review and give me 85 emails. Which, of course, I don't have almost $300 to pay for those 85 emails. And I'm not even sure the criteria that they're using makes sense um, when stacked against the statute. But, but it's systemic, right? So all of this is yeah. systemic. <laughs> we also, we've published on Seeing Red that there have been faculty at the university who have received open records requests from the Republican Party. And they want to know if employees ever use the word Fortenberry, Ricket, Sass um, in their emails. And that's actually, and they can afford to pay the costs. Mm -hmm. And that is actually the opposite of how open records are the spirit of them, right? They're not for political parties to silence political speech of employees. Of individuals. Right. Yeah. Therefore, the public to hold policymakers accountable. And if you work for the state or you work for the university and you are just talking to somebody on your work email um, and you're like, oh, here, do you want to see this article I found that was interesting and it happened to have the name Ricketts in it? That should not be a political punishment, right? That is... Um, it's absurd. It's absurd. So, yeah. so we recently published about that and there's just got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for the system to work because right now it's hard to hold policymakers accountable when they don't give you uh, information about what's going on. Yeah. So kind of similar really leads into our last topic. Um, only because it's silencing a voice, um, a Creighton professor um, was tweeting about the support the police rally um, as a white supremacist event, and uh, people got ticked, and Creighton made him apologize, even though if we go over all the things that happened, it was a white supremacist event. <laughs> I mean, yes, I watched a lot of coverage of that event. And first of all, of course, we've had him on the pod before, but um, Kumari Kual did some great coverage. There was this really beautiful moment where he was at this rally and the Black Lives Matter protesters came to counter protest and Kumari saw them and just started yelling energy, energy, because they were 
the Black Lives Matter protesters were running up. It's this, if you've ever seen Memorial Park in Omaha, there's just this huge field of green that lead up to Monument Park and they were running up it and you couldn't see them on the video, but he could see them. And he just was just yelling, energy, energy, and running down to interface with them so he could cover them. And it was, uh, oh man, I just felt... I felt the energy. It was such a great, great moment. Um, but you could see, I could, I listened to some of the speakers. I was listening to snippets and they were saying things, really genuine things about how, you know, officers, some officers really deeply care about the public and public safety. And they feel like they're being villainized for things that they don't do. And that makes it so hard to come to work to think that everyone hates you and being a police officer is hard enough and they put their lives on the line. And, and I have some total, total empathy for that. You know, they are putting their lives on the line. Somebody had a carry a Rosco t-shirt on. Um, Right. And she died right before she was supposed to go on maternity leave uh, by someone with an illegal gun. We can't actually get any gun control. Uh, so that's kind of its own problem. Right. Um, but so there were some moments like that where you could see this humanity happening and there was a space for dialogue. But but when you looked at the crowd, it was so disingenuous that it was about a counterpoint to Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is about ending oppression, right? This Blue yeah. Lives Matter, it was clearly, when you looked at the crowd, Blue Lives Matter is a dog whistle, which means... They, you, they say one thing, but mean another. And if you are on the inside, you understand what they mean. But then they're like, no, 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 we didn't say the, the secret thing. We said this other thing, blue lives matter. What's wrong with that, right? So when you look at the crowd, you see um, the Proud Boys, which is a white supremacist terrorist yep. organization. They're and they're wearing, waving, they're wearing shirts, they're waving their flags. You see um, protester feeds where they are yelling at these black activists saying, get a job. If you don't like it here, go to Chicago. Chicago is a racist whistle. Yeah. Anytime you want gun violence um, yep. to be reduced, they say go to Chicago because Chicago has done so much work around gun control. They still have a gun violence problem. And, and here's the thing, listeners, the guns in Chicago, they come from Indiana. Because the city shares a border. The city shares a border. Indiana won't do anything to help curb Chicago gun violence because they're racists. Yep. So when somebody brings up Chicago to a black person, they are saying, your life doesn't matter. I think you should go to Chicago because I know there's a gun violence problem and you'll probably die. And I'm happy to see that happen to you. So it was terrible. I mean, it was so, they were super confrontational. Um, it was just clearly, they had everything but clan hoods. It was a really monstrous rally that happened in Omaha. And the professor who called it 
a racist rally or whatever he exactly said. Mm -hmm. He was not wrong at all. And I would remind everybody, we had an event here in Nebraska a couple years ago where a grad graduate student at the university flipped off another person at the university, called her a rude name, and that person lost, they lost their job, and every level of government, from the regents who run the university, to state senators, to um, the governor, everybody pushed all of their pol oppressive political weight down on top to the top of her head over the middle finger and being called a rude name. Meanwhile, I don't know how many of you all went to university or college, but when I went to the University of Lincoln, there was a preacher who was always there, um, mm -hmm. often brought children and called every woman who walked by a whore. And I was 17 years old when I went to UNL and it was perfectly acceptable under free speech for him to call me a whore for wearing shorts. So everyone can shut the fuck up about people in academia calling things what they accurately are. So because that is, <laughs> that's the other, like we allow really hateful, vile stuff to occur all the time and nobody cares. But when it's calling out racism, we find it unacceptable. And that is, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get off my podium now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, before we give our book recommendation, should we, did you say we have a new patron? We do have a new patron. Um, Cue some claps. For a new patron um yes our patron is kina ludeman hopefully i've got your name right uh, so super super excited to have Thank you as a patron you, kina. yay and um also in celebration we posted a new meme it's a patrons only meme it's gonna Ooh. come out on seeing red social media channels soon but it is hilarious and it pokes fun at senator State Senator Steve Erdman, who is... It's a good one. <laughs> he is a, just kind of a crackpot for all kinds of reasons. But anyway, if you are one of our patrons, we hope you enjoy the meme. You've got a sneak peek. And um, is she gonna the rest get of you some, will have to wait. Is Kina going to get some stickers? Um, we will mail her some stickers. Nice, nice. Mine are on, on my fridge at the moment, so. Nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so one of our stickers, it's so funny. It says, um, maybe I can find one on my desk. Ah, we have, um, we have one sticker that is uh, our corn cob logo. And if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about, but just go to our social media and you'll see. But the other one is like a, you mean corn stock, not corn cob. Oh, that's right. I do mean corn stock. <laughs> corn cob's on it. I mean, I mean, that's where they come from, a corn stock. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> April, calling me out. Uh, where's the other one? I'm going to find it. Okay, I found it. I found it. I found it. Uh, it. It looks like a reporter in front of a fancy microphone. And it says, this just did. Stop sucking. 
says glorified blog, insinuating seeing Red Nebraska as the glorified blog. Because as you know, we're not real news. We're just a glorified blog giving you some yuck, yuck, yucks. Uh, but that sticker is so cool and you definitely want it. Awesome. All right, you said you're reading a, a, an interesting book you wanted to share to wrap this up. What you got? Oh, goodness sakes. Um, yes, I am reading a book. It is called Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert or Colbert. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but mm. it, I picked it, I got it from the Libby app on the library and I picked it because it had a little seal on it that said Stonewall Book Award. So I assumed it was probably just going to be a well-written book. It's a young adult book and it's about a black teenager whose mom married a white man when she was pretty young who, and he had a white son. And so they grew up together and the white son is going through a mental health crisis and she is trying to figure out her sexuality. And so I'm only halfway through, but it is, and she's also uh, fighting as she's in a teenager now and she's fighting racist microaggressions in her own peer circles. So it's just it's heavy, but yeah, it's heavy, but also it's, good. it's it's good because, you know, she's got these different crushes and she's navigating, um, you know, like going to parties and there's some fun stuff too. So it's not all heavy, but it, it, it is a little heavy, but really, really good so far. I'm halfway through. I will, I can't imagine it's going to crap out on me after this being this good for this long. So I would say recommend. I haven't talked, I don't think I've talked about this one, but it kind of reminds me in a similar vein of a book I read, Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. Um, she's a Puerto Rican. She's a lesbian. She uh, lives in the Bronx. Um, she's very feminist and she has this author that she just is obsessed with. She manages to get an internship with this author. It's all the way across the country in Seattle. And she gets out there, and of course, this feminist is not exactly what she expected. Like she's great, she's great, but like she's just she's navigating this whole queer identity she's got, and and um, also feminism and her uh, Puerto Ricanness, and how that all converges. Because this was a white lady writing this feminist book, and she's kind of seeing like, well, she's kind of missing some things. Um, but that one was a very good YA book as well. So, also, uh, Nebraska author Roxanne Gay mm -hmm. reviewed. She reviewed the book, saying, "Fucking outstanding." Well, Roxanne Gay also. Oh, you're talking about my book. I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yes. She said that about Juliet takes a breath. Yeah, that's why I read it. I was like, okay, if Roxanne Gay says it. I'm gonna read it. So. I mean, honestly, if Roxane Gay tells you to do something, just do it. Don't even question it. Just do it. Yeah. She's brilliant. And she's a Nebraska woman, and we love her. Probably Roxane Gay says to listen to this pod and share it with all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows her, can you ask her to be on our pod? We really want to fangirl her. Um, <laughs> Asterix, she didn't really say that. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> well, this has been a great and fast episode. Yeah. 
Well, April, you have a good week and I can't wait to talk to you next week. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.